you a little bit in time about idols and idolatry because it's the major one of the major sins that's going about today but people would think that you know in this day and time we're worshiping idols or idolatry and they look at it as if that that wouldn't be happening but I think that's the major sin today that's the major sin today and we need to know what is idolatry and I've taught on that through Bible study and today I'm just going to talk with you in the New Testament we have in the book of 1st John that that whole book of 1st John I don't know how often y'all read 1st John but he was talking they were preaching and teaching during a time when the Gnostics and the Agnostics was the chief pagan religions and cults and teachings that they were going up against and it's about knowledge and knowing and uh, John said uh, well let me let me not segue into it like that Isaiah the 44th chapter the 5th to the 21st verse in the book of Romans the 1st chapter the 18th to the 32nd verse our reading this morning comes from the book that was saying that reading that was coming from 1st John the 5th chapter 21st verse where it says little children keep yourselves from idols seemed like it came out of nowhere but because he was talking about knowledge and knowing things and having a knowledge of things and the amplified version says little children uh, that is believers guard yourself from idols and the amplified kind of elaborates a little bit on idols that means false teachings, moral compromise, and anything that would take the place of God in your heart and in your lives. And today, uh, who, who would venture out to say they know what one of the greatest idols it is today and that are given to just about everyone that are in even third world countries? That idol is your cell phone smartphones. Just about everyone has a smartphone, uh, some type of phone cellular device, and iPads and things. That's the first thing we look at in the morning. It's the first thing we look at when we go to bed. A lot of people in the bed looking at their phones and playing with the phones. It's the first thing you grab. You're walking down the street. You're driving in the car. You can be talking with someone and if you get a call or whatever, you'll stop and say, well, look, this is more important. Let me answer this phone, which is very rude. You're talking to someone and you answer the phone and you're just waiting for that beat, that email, that text or something to come through or whatever. And I've listened at a couple of preachings this, this week on the iPhones and how that's maybe the number one idol that we all have been enslaved in bondage. And I tell you, idols bring us into captivity. We can't do without those little devices now. Our banking and everything, if all of the information that we use to run our lives are in those phones. And so that that's very detrimental before we pick up our morning readings or 
do anything. We look at that cell phone as to who called or text or just what's going on in the world, all the information that's out there. Sexual immorality, which is idolatry, is another idol that we're given over to promiscuity and dressing lasciviousness causes compromise in moral values and it is driven today and that's one of the larger ones that we can say about it idolatry and like I say it's not a conventional sermon as such with the three points and as I normally do them or whatever but it's mostly talking to you about idolatry idols uh, idolatry can be summarized as the proclivity to turn away from God as the locus of one's high aspirations for fulfillment and significance and to subsequently redirect these yearnings for worth and beauty and happiness primarily to aspects of the created world. In other words, instead of being fully satisfied with God, we turn to drugs, alcohol, television, amusement, various other things to yearnings and things for our happiness but these things doesn't leave us complete as I was saying earlier when I was about to try to segue into this uh, in the book of 1st John that John was talking and I told you they was dealing with the agnostics and Gnosticism and that last fifth chapter is written saying overcoming the world and this is written that you may know those that had knowledge that really truly would know God and know who they are and uh, I didn't put it down to read it overcoming it says whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep the commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous unto us. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but that he that it, Jesus is the son of but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that bear the record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Skipping down the verse 16. If any man seeth his brother in sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death, and I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know, we know that we are of God, and the whole world 
lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and had given us an outstanding uh, understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That's a knowledge that God gives only to those that are born of God. That's a knowledge to overcome, to have an understanding of Him. But it's strange that He wrote the last verse there, keep yourselves from idols. If we look in the book of Acts when they were addressing the council, when the Jerusalem elders and the apostles met, one of the three things that they said that the Gentiles should do would abstain from things strangled with blood, from fornication, and to abstain from idols. Joshua had a problem with the people, with the people in his day, and he, at the end, toward the end of the chapter, he says, "Choose the God that you'll serve." And he said to put away the gods of the idols that were among them, but that they couldn't serve the true and living God. And if we would read that chapter 44 in Isaiah where we were there, starting at the, I think it's the seventh verse, it says, And who shall I call and shall declare it and set in order for me, for me since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come? Let them show them unto him. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told thee from that time I have declared it? Ye are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Here's God declaring his sovereignty that he created all things from the beginning and he had told us and put it in order what had happened. Those of us that are born of God, we are his witnesses. But those that are witnesses to idols and to the false gods, he says, They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and that delectable things shall not profit, and they are their own witnesses. They see not, nor know not, that they may be ashamed. Who had formed a god or mold and a graven image that is profitable for nothing? And these people would create their gods. They would make their gods. Uh, nowadays, the graven images, even some of the churches have become their idols of their gods, the mega churches. You remember the Crystal Cathedral? A lot of the edifices that they're building today and worshiping, you know, a ch- your church could become your idol or your god, uh, the Bible, or anything material or immaterial could become an idol of God you see with the Catholic churches where they have the crucifixes they have made Mary into a God and I was listening to John MacArthur talk about immaculate conception of the Virgin Mary or whatever you know that has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus Christ or anything it has to do with them saying that Mary was conceived as a virgin and her conception and everything. Uh, if you want to listen to John MacArthur speak on that, you can download that from Sermon Audio. 
of grace to you from John Arthur. And he has maybe five or six tape series of Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary, and that they worship Mary. And they say, if you can't get through to God or get through to Jesus, that you would plead and ask for Mary. And that prayers that God or Jesus won't answer that Mary would make them sympathetic to where she would answer those prayers or whatever. And the rosary and everything where they pray unto Mary or whatever. But that's for those of us that are studying the various religions or the uh, way off into Bible study. Like I said, you can get into the study of God like he was telling them that those that know. This calls for studying the Bible and other resources and research and, and a consistent seeking of God. And like I said, that, that's not watching a whole lot of television or conversing with friends or people or whatever, but you're in a serious search for God and eliminating all other things because the Spirit starts working on you to eliminate anything that's not like God, anything that's not of God. That's when you can go to a book like the book of Romans, the first chapter of Romans, and see of how much idolatry is invested in the book of Romans. And people look toward the Old Testament, talking about graven images and idols and things, not realizing that it's much more prevalent in the New Testament because, like I said, some people have addictions to things that they made their gods, you know. Gambling, alcohol, music, clothing. Some people are addicted to having surgeries, you know, plastic surgeries or surgeries for beautification and enhancements or whatever. But like I said, anything could be a God that is taken to access above God or beyond God that's not of God. And that's why God us into man what is idolatry and that we should worship and worship him only and that worship how to worship him because our worship has become idolatrous that's why I was saying when we bring in uh, in the book of Ezekiel I think it's the 31st chapter in 8 verses so when you see him praying to the to and weeping for Mary and, and Tammuz, the queen of heaven and a lot of other things you see that the Bible tells you that these people are doing you'll see that this just didn't start but God placed a place in man's heart to where he seeks for something to worship it says the heart is an idol factory we worship things you hear some people say well he worships the ground that she walks on or whatever there are some people that have made their children their idols or spend too much things on things or things for their children. And that's why a lot of the, the, the children nowadays doesn't have an understanding of value. And that idol tends to consume or control you and devastate you. We see it politically where a lot of people with different politicians or whatever that go against their moral compass. I told you the Amplified Bible came in and said moral compromises and we see this politically that some people do what we're saying here in the book of Romans they suppress the truth in unrighteousness 
in dealing in unrighteousness. That's just how for an idol will take us because an idol end up possessing the individual because end up leaving the truth because idolaters reject God and they reject the truth. So the source of true truth. Romans that first chapter 18 through the 32nd verse says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which when that which may be known of God is manifest. In other words, it's shown unto them. God had manifested unto them. For God had showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That there's an intelligent being that had created all and that had formed and, and made all of this. But man would rather think that he evolved from an ape uh, that evolution some form, shape, or way brought about the creation as it exists today. Uh, all of these different things, like I told you, knowledge and intelligence sometimes gets us away from God. It says, being understood, clearly understood by the things that are made, even in His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that what they knew God, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. The reason it was darkened is because they rejected the truth. When you know the truth and reject the truth. Earlier I was talking about the first John, and he was talking about a sin that's unto death or whatever. These sins that doesn't that repentance is not granted unto them and that's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost that wouldn't be forgiven because it's it's to fight against what is truth and I think we've seen it as a nation where the nation politically and religiously have suppressed the truth by unrighteous means and unrighteousness has suppressed the truth oppression of the people and even their constitution, it's supposed to be a nation that goes by the rule of laws, and there should be not a respect of person that justice should be blind. But that's what had brought us down, uh, even a turning about in the very laws that we worship or the laws that we say that, that the nation was shaped and formed on. We've turned around and hypocritically went against these laws and had put man at the top, that put man on the throne and had made God into their image. And that's what I say what happens with false religion and Christianity when you nationalize Christianity. In other words, it's defined by man. The definition of what is right and what is wrong is defined by man. I brought that article that I was talking about the other day where the latest was talking against uh, Herschel Walker there that he was the anti-type. It says Herschel Walker embodies every negative stereotype black Americans have fought against for decades. We have to understand 
that for materialism, a lot of people would do just about anything. You know, the grandfather of the young lady that I was telling you about said that he didn't want to see his granddaughter. What would, what material thing or what gain would you get? The value of your mother's life that you would pay to remove your mother's life, and you're 15 and you commission a 16 year old to do that or whatever. Materialism, it's, it's pure idolatry, putting yourself at the place of God because God said, Thou shalt not kill, and it's certain things. When we reject God and our heart becomes darkened, there's nothing that would be withheld from us. Nothing is withholding from us because we've rejected all of the basis for God, which God said that we should exist. One of the commandments, that commandment that says, Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. But here you kill your parents. That's one of the blatant ones that's against the Ten Commandments because it says, Thou shalt not kill. What reason would you kill or whatever? Is it because of covetousness? Is it something that you want or something that you desire? So all of these is, shows a darkened heart and that idolatry or something has replaced God in your life. And if you... The next verse, I think it's the 25th verse, 26th verse says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the nature used into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, Burn in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, and covetousness maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant workers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do they do these things, but they have pleasure in them that do them. The last verse of the last book we want to look at that contains that about idolatry is 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, about the children of Israel when they crossed the Red Sea and the things that they had did. All of the things that exist in the Old Testament, and as I told you, idolatry also was false teaching and false doctrine is when they 
not use the Old Testament as a template, as a as an example for us not to do what they did. In other words, the stories in the Old Testament Testament are more like history of everyday lives of the people that lived that exist at that time. That was examples unto us of what not to do. But in the in the New Testament, it's written to a spiritual people, a born again people. It's not written to an unborn or unsaved person. When you get into the New Testament, past the Book of Acts, when the church was created, all of those epistles and those books were written to save people that God was being leading them by the Spirit that. This should be their lives if they had been redeemed. That's in the 34th chapter Isaiah. You'll notice he says, fear not for your redeemed people. In other words, this portion of your lives should be behind you or you should be putting it behind you. You should be turning away from it. That's the fight that we're fighting if you're a Christian. If you're a true born again child of God. That's why 1 John tells us we that overcome it, the world. We know these things so we should have an understanding of that knowledge is given to us by God because we ask God for it. He that lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God who supplied liberally. If we ask God and Jesus Christ told us anything that we need, ask the Father in his name and the Father would give it. Instead of asking for material things, Instead of asking for wealth, Solomon asked for how to lead the people. And when he asked how to lead the people and God to guide God's people, God added to him wealth and all of these other things. But it wasn't that Solomon was spiritually born again because we see that with all of the wisdom and knowledge he had, he was corrupt and he fell from grace in that he was the cause of Israel, the ten tribes dividing away from the other two tribes and becoming lost tribes. He was the cause of that division because he didn't heed God's warning in dreams. God appeared to him in two different dreams, twice in dreams, warning him that the women was going to draw his heart away from God. Sexual immorality is idolatry. It's idolatry. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 6 through the 10 verse, Now these things were our example to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now these things, the warnings and admonitions, took place as our examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Do not be worshipers of handmade gods as some of them were, just as it was written. And what we're striving after is personal possession, is monetary things. It is material things, and you can't serve God in mammon. That proceeds from your heart. It says all of these things, the wickedness lies within our heart. That's what evil proceeds from. So 
you can't cleanse and change a nation when they're talking about rehabilitating the criminal and change. These things only God can do supernaturally, and it's for his people. It's for the church. The others are the seeds of the devil, of the idolaters and all of these people that lie in wickedness and in darkness and reject God. Okay, so if, if this was a three-point, uh, if, if we were looking at some points, the first point would be idolatry is forbidden by God. The first three of the Ten Commandments deals with the proper worship of God. It deals with the proper worship of God. The first commandment says you shall have no other gods before me. We've seen that he stated that there is no God but one, but to the idolater, to the idolatrous people, there be God's many. All of these things become God's unto them, but it's God's that they have made God's themselves turning away from the true God. They have made possession of these things their God's. It's here, hold on. If we look in the book of Philippians, the third chapter of the book of Philippians, in the 19th verse, it says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. There's different people that you mark because of the characteristics of the life that live. Uh, are they a bad example? Are they a good example? Last night, my nephew called me to wish me happy birthday or whatever. He was the last one I was telling my wife. I said, this is the most happy birthdays I've ever gotten on my birthday. But he called about 10.30 last night or whatever from Delaware. Uh, and him and my sister was on three-way talking. And, I, and we were talking about different people in the family or whatever. But... Everybody noticed the way you live or your walk or the life that you live or whatever. Here it says, mark them. He says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul was saying there are many of people, when he says walk, walk means living a lifestyle, that these people are enemies of Christ enemies of the cross. He says, "Who whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who find, or who chase after earthly things, or who mind attend to think about earthly things. What do you think about doing this? Are all of your thoughts about God or godly things, or what is fear? Or do you think about wealth what you can require, acquire about what you will eat, about material things. Is that what, where your mind stays at? Because God tells us that our mind should stay on Him and meditate in His Word day and night. Are, are we becoming that way? That's how I say you can tell people that when you go around them, they're always talking about something material or getting something material. To a lot of the losers or, or the people that don't have, they're talking about a husband or wife, getting a husband or wife or whatever. Yeah. Is that to come or not to come? And the people that stay on social media online or whatever, they have no life, so their life is spent online 
uh, texting and Twitter and all of these different social media platforms or whatever because they can't converse or don't have real people in their lives to converse or talk with. So these things become their idol, their gods of the way of life for them. And he says, thou shall have no other God before me. The second commandment says, thou shall not make unto thee any graven images. Now, these three of the Ten Commandments, we have to beware the Catholic Church bunches these together so they can remove that, do not make graven images out of it. They don't want you to have that one there. But engraving images now with the phone in the way we have with technology now, that's all we have is graven images. You grab somebody's, a lot of people's cell phone, and you will see the majority of the thing who they worship is self. That's what they have selfies. You didn't heard of the selfie. It's pictures of yourself. That's all you go on their page or whatever. It's pictures of them. Click, click. They even have a selfie stick, a stick that you hold out so you can hold the phone away from you and take pictures away, further away from you so you can see more of you or whatever. There are people advertising themselves half nude or whatever. That's why so much sexual immorality is because now we idolize the human body. Every commercial, everything is about some half-naked female to sell anything from cigarettes to cars. It's about some half-dressed man or something that the women would fawn over or whatever because, do you know, women indulge in just as much pornography as the men do nowadays? Their talk is the same as the men. There's no difference in the two. The third commandment says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It says, You shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So we see that those three commandments deal with the proper worship of the true God. And even at this time, we take the name of the Lord in vain. We say God's name all the time. And if you notice, if you're part of the older people, you'll realize that there were your people were church people or religious people, but you didn't hear the name of Jesus as much. They wouldn't use that name loosely. They used Jesus' name in, in, in such a haphazard and loose way and bring it to any, any, any conversation or whatever. It's like playing with that name or whatever. You know, as a parent, I tell you, you know, sometimes you coming up and we have a, a we had five children running around at the time or whatever. At a point, a parent may say, well, now look, now don't call my name no more. And mama, mama, because half the time it's not for a serious issue or whatever. But here Jesus said we can pray unto God at any time. But do you necessarily go before God in prayer about trivial matters or matters that aren't valid matters? And people say, well, God says with prayer and supplication let your request be known to Him and that there are no small things to, to God and that we should pray to God for anything and everything that we want. But there must be some restrictions on this. Uh, God wouldn't say the reason you don't have what you're asking me for is you asking amiss. you asking to consume it upon your own lust. you 
asking for the wrong reasons. You're asking in the wrong way. See, a lot of times we get jammed up or have problems or whatever. God has already forewarned us. He forewarned the woman caught in adultery. He told her to go and sin no more unless the worst thing happened to her. Wouldn't it be kind of uh, the grace of God in vain for her to go back and sin even a worse sin? And he saved her from being stoned to death. And he warned her at that time. He says, go and sin no more. That's the worst thing happened unto you. Well, he says, what I say to one, I say to all. So if God had redeemed us, if we're truly thankful for what God has done for us, and he had redeemed us, wouldn't we not continue in sin or continue to sin? Wouldn't we reciprocate back to God, being grateful and thankful to him of what he did for us? Wouldn't we truly follow his commandments and to show that we truly love him and are thankful and grateful that he did save us and give us a gift that we didn't really deserve? It was forbidden. Idolatry is forbidden. His name, he's a jealous God. He says, you should have no God before me. Whatever we esteem or love or fear or hope in more than God, that creature we make equal with God, though we do not make image or worship them. He that is so poor in this, uh, if you read further on down here, 16 verse, he says, uh, the, the carpenter stretched out his rule, he marked it with a line, he fitted it with compass. This is a wealthy man there. But look further on down, he says, he burned part thereof in the fire, with part thereof he eated flesh, he roasted it, and he satisfied it. Yea, he warmed himself and says, Aha, I am warm, see the fire. And the residue thereof he make it a God, even his graven image, and he falleth down unto it and worship it and pray it unto it and says, Deliver me, for thou art my God. Here is something that you have chopped out of wood, that you have shaped and formed and made an image of. You've cooked a fire over it, but now the residual of it, that which is left, you fall down and worship and say, This is my God. See, that's what's happening. We've created God in our, in our own image, in our own life. If you notice a lot of churches and people through doctrine and everything tells you what God that God forgive any sin and that God does this and they so unskew I think the word is unskew uh, Peter uses the word a lack of understanding and they distort or twist the word of God and use it for their own benefit that they bring themselves to destruction because of twisting the scriptures. And that's what I say about a national Christianity. They have a form of godliness, but it's like Satan coming under Jesus and twisting the scriptures to say, doesn't the word say this? But Jesus had a knowledge or understanding of God, whereas had a knowledge of God that he says, okay, he didn't dispute that he did say that, but he says, thou shalt worship God in him only shall thy worship. But when you go to worship in your pastor and 
uh, worshiping the day he was born or giving him gifts for his birthday and doing all these other things or worshiping your wife or something or putting somebody else before him. When you start putting things before God or things interfere with God, and that's why, you know, before a lot of services or things, you have to put up, turn your phones off, turn your computers off. But in the middle of weddings or preaching services or things, these devices have so much control over us, we don't turn those things off. That they interrupt the preaching or the teaching of the, like I said, they interrupt our conversations or something. Those things have the control and authority over us to where there's a lot of accidents and things that they, they cause to have a problem. And it's because we've taken things that are minor in our lives and caused them to be major. Crosses and crucifixes and Bibles and all of these things, these are big ticket selling items or whatever. But none of these graven images or items was meant to be worshipped or meant to use in worship as such. The purpose of the cross is gone. The reason the cross was did that is gone. So Jesus is off of the cross, but you see a lot of people with the crosses and selling the crucifixion. There's no power in those images and things, and they pray to Mary. Like I wish you have time to go read that article. I told you that John Montgomery has that on Mary and the different various religions. I, I don't want you to have to chase these down to how people worship their gods or whatever. But when we go to beatifying, beatifying, they call it beatifying or something, when you're making these popes or something that's dead, you make them into saints or whatever, and you say they're saints. Well, all of God's people are saints of God. It's not that the pope is a saint of this person. We can't make anyone a saint. God's people, he makes them saints by sanctifying them, cleansing them. But when we start elevating one man above another man, that's idolatry. If we, our constitution say all men are created equal, but then we enslave other people, that's not the purpose in which slavery existed in biblical times. They would say, well, they had slavery in biblical times or whatever. But it wasn't indentured slavery the way that the man has made slavery into. Everything that God had created for good, we've turned it into wickedness. These devices have become wicked. God created technology is wonderful. But once we become a slave to technology, it has become an idol unto us, and I told you, idols bring us into bondage of captivity. It's controlling us, and we're not controlling it. Uh, God's hate idolatry. We have to hate idolatry. We have to hate the thing God hates, and so we have to learn what it is that we're doing that God hates, or else we'll find ourselves on the opposite side of God will be idolaters. An idolater is someone that worships idols or makes idols, and an idolater shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Satan calls us to lose our inheritance, and there's 
judgment upon idol makers. Those are the ones that make these idols. It's it's like politically, uh, we had a president that said he could shoot somebody in broad daylight on Fifth Avenue and he would get off with it. There's things that's going on now that they, they say that they won't indict him, they may not indict him, that they're going against the rules of law. This nation is so divided and it's because of idolatry. We're not looking at one person not being more than another. We look at preachers and things. These are our heroes. These guys could step forward and say, well, God spoke to me and told me to tell you to buy me a jet, to buy me a Rolls Royce, to buy all these things. So hes they're getting us in the idea they take Scripture and shows where God wants us to prosper or whatever, but we shouldn't make the focus money. The focus shouldn't be prosperity. The focus should be seeking the kingdom of God. The focus should be God. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added. Whereas we're added, we're trying to add these things unto ourselves. We're seeking the things above God. That's what the rich young ruler, when he came to Jesus for, he had many riches, and he said he had kept the commandments. So what was the problem when Jesus said, sell that which thou have and give that to the poor and you follow me? And he was much dejected and rejected it because he had many riches. And Jesus says, how hard it be for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That's because we concentrate on our wealth and that's where our hearts are. We're not like Job. Job says the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. But his wife was in such a position to say, God, Job, you ought to curse God and die. But Job wasn't interested in his wealth. He was interested in his righteousness. He was saying that he was righteous. Now he might have had uh, the argument that he was using or whatever but we see where Job was an upright and a righteous man, and we ought to stand for our integrity. That's how we are overcoming. We have to overcome. We're fighting against not a, a carnal war. It can't be a carnal warfare. It's against spiritual powers and wickedness. So if he's writing to the young men about overcoming and not worshiping idols, we have to overcome the things of the world and the love for the things of the world. We cannot love the world. Uh, to love the world is to be an enemy of God. But how do that get out of us? How is that purged out of us? By the mortifying of the body. God turns us over. We may have some relatives that's living an immoral lifestyle. Or we may know of some people that God has turned over to reprobate minds because this thing in idolatry in this last day and time, we see where the judgment of God has fallen. Uh, it's fallen better than they've seen in Old Testament times. This is the judgment of God that's falling upon the people, and they're just trying to say, well, we elect, we elect the right person. It would happen if this would happen. No, it's a spiritual matter. This is a spiritual matter. 
that we've brought the judgment of God upon us because we are idolaters and these are the judgment of God and it is started at the house of God. The book of Romans where I told you was listen at these judgments of God. The 24th verse, Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among themselves, abandoning themselves to degrading power of sin. It says, for this reason, God gave them over to the degrading and vile passions for their women exchanged a natural function for that which is unnatural, a function contrary to nature. And the same way also the men turned away from the natural function of the woman and were consumed with their desire toward one another. Men with men committing shameful acts and in return receiving their own bodies an inevitable and appropriate penalty for sex, sexual wrongdoings. In other words, have you ever seen homosexuality as rampant as it is today? Lesbianism? Have you seen divorce? At two of the two of the political figures, uh, Sarah Palin and Marjorie Taylor Greene, their husbands applied for divorces or whatever. Herschel Walker, he I don't know if he's married now or whatever, but that's the one that threatened to kill his wife. He had four or five children outside of wedlock or whatever. But these are the ones that's promoting Christian or family values. Isn't something wrong with those examples of people that's leading that charge? And if you look throughout the nation, the amount of homosexuals and lesbianism where we've legalized, that's iniquity to legalize that which God forbids. Man marrying man and woman marrying woman. But that's a sign of God turning people over to their passion. So you reject what I've told you and what I've done. Well, I'll turn you, I'll give you over to these things. And he gives your children over to these things. He gives the parent over. So aren't we, are we looking at a nation that God has turned over to what they wanted. You wouldn't listen, uh, have God. You rejected Him as you said that you was a Christian nation. You know what God says and what He demands. But are you doing it? So it says that God turned them over. And I read that list to you earlier about the unnatural affections and the unthankfulness and covenant breakers. Because men go back on their word. Uh, the children are not obedient to parents. Th- those are the characteristics of the covenant breakers, are, are those that are living like that. The characteristics of, of the idolaters. I didn't got way off. Characteristics of those that are turned over, that God had turned over to these things. It says that who, knowing these judgments, God had turned them over to these things. And since they did not sit, see fit to acknowledge God or consider Him worth knowing, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are improper, uh, repulsive, until they will feel, in other words, permeated, uh, saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice and mean spiritness. They said that the young lady that had got killed or 
week, a month ago, that was killed down on Government Street that they had found out who did it. They said that there was 16 bullet holes in her car, and she had been shot 10 times. That there was shooting from both sides of the car. Isn't this sheer wickedness? This is sheer evil. And because of the evil they committed, they provoked him to anger that he turned the whole world into this kind of a comicism unto where when you reprobate, you can't come back from that. There's no repentance of it or turning away. That's why he says that there'll be a destruction of the world because he's no longer granting repentance to some. That these are children of the devil and that punishment started with the house of God. They stubbornly knew that there are people sitting in the church. There are people teaching and preaching in the church. There are so many church members that know what the word of God says but still have this hatred, this envy, these things embedded in their heart and continually doing these things to one another. It says hating their brother. They cannot love God. We're in a time, an idolater, a one that commits idolatry, God says some of us was like this. Those characteristics that we were looking at starts on Romans the twenty the first chapter twenty ninth chapter verse B through thirty one it says they are gossipers, spreading rumors, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boasters, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient, disrespectful to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. That is, without pity. Now there's hope for some. Are you listening? There's hope for a remnant. Only some that there's hope for. Because God hates this, he says, and such were some of you. In other words, there were some in the church that had once been homosexuals, that God had turned, uh, uh, that they found repentance. You remember I said, if we find grace in God's sight, let the redeemed say so. We have to start acting that way. You remember Zacchaeus we talked about last week? He said, if I've done any of these things, I'll restore fourfold. In other words, people have to see this turned around life. This life is on display that you're turning around and glorifying God. They once bowed to need a bail, but now they're mortifying the deeds of the body. They're putting self to death. They're no longer idolaters. And this is felt and seen. These actions are there. Now, don't deceive yourself. If you can feel these things that are pulling at you, you should be in prayer asking God to remove them in Jesus' name. He will remove them if we're serious about these things, if He's granted us repentance, but it's something that will happen and that should be happening. The flaws in our lives, the things that are going on, He says, flee from idolatry. In other words, you have to run from it when it first initiates a seed yourself. God shows us ourselves. If we seek God and ask Him to show us within ourselves 
what's not like him, he'll show us. But we have to be able to pluck out our eyes. He says, better it is to enter into heaven with one eye than than a whole body. In other words, if the hand of it cut it off. In other words, this thing goes deep within you. You have to deny self. You have to see that hatred of yourself. You have to be able to see that this thing's lies within us, it permeates us, it goes to the heart. That's why confession is outwardly. That's why we have to go back and try to make reparation. In other words, we have to try to set right what we had wrong because that, in other words, humbles us when we go back and say, I'm sorry I gossiped about you. I'm sorry I said this. I'm sorry I did these things. But it's a lot of people that say, I'm not sorry. I don't forgive you. That you'll, I'll never forgive you. That I'll do. And these are directly in the face of God because if God had forgiven him, if Jesus had died for, for the forgiveness of their sins, who are you to still hold that against them if Jesus died for their forgiveness? If Jesus had given them a clean slate, who is it of us that should envy that person? That should be gossiping about that person. There's no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So, idolaters, God have turned over to a reprobate mind. In other words, you can't see that you're wrong. You can't see your wickedness. A lot of people say, well, how can someone do these things? They're of the devil. The guy was actually, I just want to understand why. Sometimes there is no why. Evil, I told you that word theodicy, a, a, a definition of what is evil, but there's no definition of evil. That's why God told Adam not to eat of the tree of the, that was in the midst of the garden. Because it, he, didn't, he don't want us to have the knowledge of evil. And that's why he says, let us put man out of the garden unless he eat of this tree and live forever in that state. Wouldn't it be have better to not have known murdering and killing, rape and all of the vestiges of evil? See, God's going to erase that in the next life. We wouldn't know of that. But that falls directly against the paradigm of those people that's teaching, oh, when you die, you go to heaven and you're looking down with Jesus up on your people. Well, if you're in heaven looking down, you seeing your people being robbed, raped, and murdered, and killed, and all those things, how can you enjoy heaven seeing what's going on down here on earth? So when you're dead, you're dead in that grave. The Bible says the dead know nothing. Stop preaching these doctrines to try to satisfy the pleasures of man and try to give you an answer. God is the only one that can give you understanding in wisdom, and you'll be satisfied with that because that eternity that he had put in the hearts of man, only God can fulfill that Jesus Christ. We're completing him. But an idol can't complete that. They can't fulfill what we're looking for. Flee idolatry. That's no answer. An idol is nothing, and all of these things is vanity and vexation of spirit. 